Today, if you would take your Bibles with me and open to Psalm chapter number 23, we're going to advance on in our preaching of Psalm 23 this morning. If you're struggling to listen to me because I'm not wearing a tie, I'm sorry. I told John that I would be back before Jesus was coming again, and I was going to miss it if I tried to put that tie on. And I told Brother John that I was going to go ahead and put my tie on uh, at the handshake chorus. And John said, why don't you go casual today? I said, you know, that's the kind of suggestion I like to hear. So if you're, if you're with me this morning and you struggle sometimes wearing a tie, I identify with the struggle and the struggle is real. And so I chose, rather than to put my tie on, I know that would be pastorly, I chose to comfort one of our church members who is going to be burying his sister this week. And uh, I think personally that my job as a pastor is far more served by comforting the people than putting my tie on. <laughs> Although it's very important to wear a tie. So those of you who are wearing a tie today, you look great. And by the way, my tie was excellent today. I mean, not to pat myself on the back. My arm has been hurting all week for how many compliments I've given myself. But my tie took, put the whole thing together this morning. And uh, it's really disappointing. I am so disappointed that you didn't get a chance to see me in that tie. Those of you who were in Sunday school saw it, but uh, those of you who were in church didn't get to see it. I, I thank the Lord for the blessing of baptizing people and uh, the blessing of preaching without a tie. Psalm chapter number 23. We'll read all six verses of this great psalm, and then we'll be considering some things from the psalm this morning. Verse number one. Well, the inscription says a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to be considering the last phrase in verse 2 and the first phrase of verse number 3 this morning. He leadeth me beside the still waters and he restoreth my soul. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come into your presence this morning and we thank you, Lord, for the good number of people who come out to worship you today. I pray, Lord, that you'd fill our plates with the truths from thy word. I pray, Lord, that just as the psalmist wrote about, that you would do those very things uh, for us this morning. Lord, we, I ask that you help protect me from saying things that I shouldn't say. And Lord, I pray that you would use the service, use the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart as I preach with the Holy Spirit, come alongside and do a work in the lives of people. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. First of all, as you consider the perspective of the psalmist, this was written from the perspective of a sheep to a shepherd. In verse number one, it's the Lord is my shepherd. This was a sheep writing about the benefits of having a relationship with the shepherd. And there are great benefits to having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say, first of all, you can't be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ unless you've been born again, unless you've been saved 
by the grace of God. Uh, Sometimes people will say, well, I've always known the Lord. You have not always known the Lord. All of us are born in sin. You say, no, my parents were married when they had me. That's not what I'm saying when I say you're born in sin. David's parents were married when they had him, but he declared, in sin did my mother conceive me. All that means is this. We're sinners by birth, choice, and practice. Nobody had to teach you to sin. We sin, and sin separates people from God, and there needs to be two births in someone's life in order for them to be saved. Number one, you have to be first born. All of you have been born. Say, how do you know that? Well, there's evidence of it. You're sitting here today. You were born. You were born of water. You were brought forth from your mother's womb where the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And then you need to be born again. You need to be born of the spirit. That spiritual birth takes place when you recognize that you're lost, that you're in sin, that you've not been saved by the grace of God. And so you can only say that the Lord is your shepherd when you have this right relationship with him. Now, sometimes we as believers, we are hopeful that souls get saved. And certainly we should want people to get saved. I want God's house to be a place where people get saved. Many people in this room today, if I were to ask for a show of hands, got saved in a church service. If, if, if I ask that question, and you don't need to lift your hand, how many of you got saved after hearing the preaching of God's word? My hand would go up because on a Sunday morning service between the ages of 12 and 13, God got a hold of my heart and I knelt down on the right side of the preacher and I got saved there in that building in Warren, Michigan. At 11285 East 10 Mile Road, God saved my never dying soul and he brought me into his family. I'm thankful that I got saved. I can take you to the time and to the place where I got saved. But we as God's people should not forget that he wants to encourage his people today, those who are saved. The church is an assembly of the believers. Now you might come into this assembly today and you may not be a member of this assembly As a matter of fact, you could be a member of the assembly, but still be lost. I was a member of the church before I got saved. I thought I got saved. I made a false profession and then I got baptized and the church clerk recorded my name as a member of that church. But I wasn't on the real church role, if you will. The real church role is kept in heaven. And God knows who's really saved and who is lost. We should definitely not forget that God knows everything about us. And just because an organization here on earth says, hey, your name's on the roll, that's not going to matter at all if you get to the other side and you're not saved. But God's people need to understand that his church is for his people. This service is not simply for the lost. This service is for the saved, and God has something to say to those of you who are saved as well, those who've been born again. The scripture says in Psalm chapter number 23, that he leadeth me beside the still waters. The waters of life are definitely life itself leads people to a thirsty place. You know, I read this morning from a shepherd that 70% of a sheep is water content. It was used to maintain body metabolism and water determined the vitality and the strength and the vigor of the sheep. It's essential to the sheep's health and well-being. And all I can say to you today, friend, is water is just as essential to you. 
I think one of the greatest things that parents could teach their children is to learn to drink water. Now, some of you don't believe that. You think water needs to be laced with things like sugar and Kool-Aid and, you know, you wouldn't know what water is. You know, I don't like drinking water. Water is the very fabric of what our life is made up of. And a great deal of our problems today as Americans is because we don't drink enough of it. It's plenty. And by the way, we have pure water to drink here in the United States. You wouldn't know what it's like to live in a foreign country. If you go to a foreign country and you drink their water and you're from the States, you're going you're gonna to think, you know, it's almost like drinking out of the water fountain back there. It's downstream, folks. That is downstream Fort Worth water. I don't know where it came from, but you can take the chemicals inside of it. All I know, I drink water out of a bottle wherever I go. And I'm supposed to drink about 60 ounces a day, and some of you aren't even close. You drink, you know, you drink more coffee and, and, and you young people, I got to have my energy drinks and my soda pop and all. The, yeah, some of you are shaking your head no, but I've seen what's going on in the trash around here. I know what's going on. And some of your houses are no different. You know, water's very important. It's the source of life. God wants us as God's people. He wants to, he wants us to have life. In Matthew chapter number 5, the Bible says this. If you want to flip your Bible over to Matthew chapter 5, this is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter number 5. And the Bible says, in verse number 6, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, Jesus was preaching here and he was talking about people who thirst. For, they, they thirst for, for righteousness. The Bible says there in verse number 6, they hunger and thirst after righteousness. All of us can identify with hungering and thirsting. You know, I'm not going to preach on food this morning. Just the mention of food brings a growl to my stomach because I don't eat on Sunday mornings. But all of us know what it's like to be hungry. All of us know what it's like at times to be just parched and thirsty. Years ago, I was on top of a roof in Illinois, and I was taken off this roof. It was a dark-colored roof, and I was, doing, I was doing the roof rake, and I was yanking up those shingles on the top of that roof, and the sun was beating down on us. And after a couple of hours... I was extremely thirsty. I had lost a lot of fluids, and I really wanted a drink of water. Just, just this last year, when I went down to Mexico, I became dehydrated uh, for various reasons. And uh, I, I thank the Lord that I was able to get a drink of water, and it actually revived my soul. The Bible has much to say about those who are thirsty. We're talking about leading us beside the still waters. You know, Jesus knows how to bring us to places where we're going to find nourishment to our souls. Today, if you've come to the Metropolitan Baptist Church, you're going to hear somebody preaching the Bible. The Bible is life-giving and the Bible is water. You're going to go to a lot of churches around this town and around this world today. They're not preaching the Bible. They're preaching some philosophy of man. They're preaching some get-rich-quick scheme. They're preaching on something that's not found in the Bible. At this church, we're going to take the Bible as our textbook. Matter of fact, if you bring your Bible to church, you'll find that the verses I read match exactly with your Bible if you're carrying a King James Bible this morning. I preach from the King James Bible. I believe that that Bible has every word for us as God's people in the English-speaking language. The Bible says much about the spiritual thirst. Now, all men are born with a spiritual thirst. Some people don't recognize it, but they're seeking to satisfy their thirst by and with something today. Sometimes people seek to satisfy their thirst in this life and think that a relationship will solve their problems. Young men, a relationship with the woman isn't going to solve your thirst for God. 
Young ladies, I can assure you that there is no man in this room or even on the face of the planet that can satisfy the thirst that you have, a spiritual thirst for God, and no man is even meant to satisfy that desire in your life. Drugs and alcohol, people are turning to that today. Many times people turn to money and to education and to a pursuit of something, and they believe that's going to satisfy their soul, but there is no satisfying of the soul outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus satisfies. Psalm chapter 63 and verse 1, David said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Over in the book of Isaiah in the the 55th chapter, the Bible mentions those who are thirsty in verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. The Bible's talking about a thirst in your soul. Many verses talk about this. And back in Psalm in chapter number 143 and verse number 6, the scripture says this, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Have you ever spiritually been thirsty? Just for one second today, stop. Put your phone down for a second. Think, have you ever said, my soul is thirsty for God? No matter what this world has to offer you, it can't compare to the quenching of the thirst that God can bring. We know in John chapter number four, the subject of thirst was mentioned to the woman at the well. She had been married five times and divorced five times. She was now living with the man not married to him. And Jesus loved her. And by the way, if you find yourself in a similar position today, God still loves you too. You know, God doesn't just save people or help people who do everything right. I mean, God help us. Oh, you did things that you shouldn't have done before you got married. Well, guess what? You just come into the church, join the club. There's plenty of people who did things they shouldn't have done before they got married. We don't throw stones at people who did things wrong. And by the way, I've come to know that some Christians who think, well, I didn't go that far. They still went far enough to offend a holy God. They just don't like to think that they have. But all I can tell you is Jesus had enough love in his heart to go and talk to the Samaritan woman who had five failed relationships and is now living together because she had a thirst in her soul. And Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Some of you today have not been saved. You've got a thirsty soul. And maybe you've gone to some dirty pool of water and you've drank it and you saw this didn't satisfy. In fact, it made me worse. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ still loves you. Even those who have made big mistakes, the Lord can satisfy your thirst. Some people need to come to the Lord today because they have that thirsty soul. Let's remember that it is a sheep in the good shepherd's care who's speaking here. It's a, it's, this is essentially the Christians. Uh, 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 it's, it's a Christian's declaration of belonging to the family of God. The sheep is now boasting of the benefits that he has as a result of his relationship with the shepherd. Now, all I can tell you is that sometimes life can leave you very thirsty. What, what, what leads you to a thirsty soul? The sorrows of life can lead to a thirsty soul. You know, some people were born into a family and they didn't ask for their parents. They didn't choose who their parents were. Their parents were just, it was who they were. 
Maybe mom and dad were divorced, or maybe you had a stepfather or stepmother in your life, and they didn't love you the way your natural-born parent did. Maybe there were some abusive situations that took place in your home and in your life. You know, these are the kind of things that could leave you in this life with a thirsty soul. The struggles of life. And how about this? Cares and concerns. There's Christians here today who are living in a two-parent home. They're trying to do things the way that, that God would have them to do things. And their life is full of cares and concerns. Sometimes life can leave you confused. You think you did it right. You think you're doing everything right. But then some bitter pill has been given to you and some difficulty in life. And I don't understand why life isn't working the way that I want. And your soul is famished. You're thirsty. Shattered dreams, broken hearts, and heartaches. They're probably untold in a room this size. This isn't a a large congregation by any means, but there's so many people here today to say that I know every heartache and heartbreak that's happened in someone's life. There's no, only God could know those things, but God knows those things, all of them. God knows every heartache and every heartbreak that you have. He knows every desire in your heart. How about wayward children? Do wayward children sometimes lead a parent to a place of brokenness or thirstiness? Lord, I'm thirsting for you. There are certain times in our children's life we can't make that decision for them. And I want to say this today, friend, too. Parents, don't try to decide for your children. You're probably going to run them off if you do. I'm talking about as they get older, they're going to have to be left to some decisions of their own. They've got to choose for themselves. Now, my parents kept me in church. Somewhere along the line, and I'm just going to throw this in for free, parents of teenagers are going to need to to entrust them with some responsibilities. You can't treat a teenager like you treat someone who's eight or nine. They're growing into adulthood. Right? Now, I know I'm not getting much response here today. But there should be some kind of a transition between parenting a young child to parenting a teenager. And all I can tell you is this. My dad and my mother could not decide for me that I was going to love God. They took me to church. They gave me every tool in the, in the arsenal. My toolbox was full. I had a preacher. I had a pastor. I had a Sunday school teacher. I had friends at church. I had the songs. I had the hymn book. I had the Holy Spirit. I had salvation. But only God could get a hold of my heart. And I didn't even know it was in my heart when I went to the military as a young man. First Sunday that I was in basic training at Fort Hole in the Woods, Missouri, I recognized that I missed the song service. I had a longing to be there. Man, it was so different. I thank the Lord that he put, it was the first time in my life I said, man, I really love the church. I really love things that go on at church. My dad was the song director, and me and my dad didn't get along when I was a teenager. And here I was at basic training wanting to see my dad's face. Because God put something in my heart. And I had to be brought to a place in my life where I embraced the truth. My parents couldn't do that for me. You young people, you're going to have to take that for yourself. God help you if you get through all these years of church. And when you turn 18 to 20, you decide, hey, this isn't the way for me. I'm going to go and take a drink from some dirty pool. I'm here to tell you, if you go to that dirty pool, the church people will be here to help you clean you up. They'll try to help put you back together. You won't find a preacher in this church that's going to put his foot on your neck or pick up a stone to throw at you. I'm going to hear to tell you, God can clean you up and help you. And if you are a stone thrower, you're not going to find a friend in this pulpit. There's plenty of people who love to throw stones at people who fail. I'm here to tell you that all of us fail. All of us struggles. You know, sometimes you ever felt this when you were going through life that you tried your very best and you just fell short. You let somebody down. 
You know, you, you gave it your very best. Sometimes there's marital struggles that take place in this life. They could leave you thirsty. You know, some people haven't understood that they've got just general frustrations of dealing with somebody the opposite gender. You know, when you're married, your wife doesn't think like you. And your husband doesn't think like you. And some people become so increasingly frustrated with that. It just takes their mind off the Lord. God can still fill our souls, even if there's these frustrations that you have in marriage. The Bible talks about these thirsty times. I thank the Lord that God can, that God can uh, satisfy our thirst. Let me ask a question. As you get to Psalm chapter number 23, if you flip your Bible back there, and I won't wander from there very much more. But in Psalm chapter number 23, the Bible says this in verse number 3. He restoreth my soul. Now here's a question for the sheep and the question for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. If following the shepherd has all these benefits... Why does our soul need to be restored? He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he does all these things. He makes me lie down and he takes me to the still waters. But then it says, he restoreth my soul. Can a sheep in the Lord's fold become so distressed as to need his soul restored? Can someone who knows the Lord get to a place of despondency and despair? All I can say to you is a a million times over, absolutely. The sheep need their soul restored. David knew what it was like to see his soul restored. In Psalm chapter 42 and 43, I told you I wouldn't wander, but uh, again, just as I tell you in closing, sometimes I'm not telling you the truth. It wasn't on purpose, but in Psalm 42, just a few pages over to the right, David gets to a place where he was thirsty again, and he says in verse number 1, a song has been written about this that we occasionally sing in this church, It says, as the heart or as the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. So there's a picture of a thirsty deer trying to get down to the water because he has a thirst for for God. David gets to this point in his life where his thirsty soul, he says these things to himself in verse number five. He's talking to himself and he says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? He's talking about the despondency, the despair, the discouragements of life. And he he says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? I'm sure you've all seen the commercial on TV, if you have a TV, where somebody has something hanging around their neck, and if they push this button, they say these words, Help, I've fallen, and I I can't get up. Power of commercials, my friend. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You know, this cast down as I was reading this shepherd, he said that goes back to, a, to an old shepherd's term where a sheep had been turned over on its back and it had, it had, it, it, its, its feet were in the air and it was actually in a helpless condition. He said it was a pathetic sight to see a sheep in this helpless condition where a sheep had been turned over on its back and couldn't get up. This was why the shepherd, a good shepherd, would come to his flock in the morning If he retired to a place, say his house, and came back, he would count the sheep because as the sheep went to graze or eat, one of the sheep could have fallen and gotten to a place where he couldn't get back up. Now, you couldn't be more of a sitting duck than a sheep laying on its back without the ability to get back up. This particular shepherd was talking about that he had one lamb. It was a female that whenever she became, you know, pregnant... 
that she was prone to lay down or prone to, to be a cast out sheep and he'd have to find her every couple days. And this shepherd took great care in keeping her alive and he was talking about how by keeping her alive she had twins one time. But had he not looked out for that sheep, she never would have been able to get up. And those of us with animals know whenever you leave town, you've got to find somebody to take care of your animals, which is some, a good reason not to have them. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I like animals. I, I, uh, I, I visited my daughter yesterday, and her dog just loved me so much. The dog just couldn't get close enough to me. You ever see a dog like that? He gets in your lap, but still he's not close enough. You know, his nose is right face-to-face to face with you, just not close enough to you. But, you know, if you take care of animals and, and you're going to leave for a time, you have to leave somebody in charge. And he knew that one little lamb was pregnant, and he charged his son. He said, listen, I'll pay you extra if you make sure every day that that lamb doesn't fall because she's pregnant and she's prone to fall. This is the kind of thing that Jesus does for us when we're wandering off. He keeps checking on us, and he'll keep bringing us back. Some of you are wondering, why does it seem like I can't get away from the Lord? Why, do, why does constant punishment follow me? Listen, this is a sign that you're saved, is that the Lord keeps on coming to find you. The Lord keeps on trying to draw you back. If you're saved, and you're away from the Lord, and you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, trust me, the Lord's going to find you, and he's going to chasten you. But if he leaves you alone, that's not a good sign. That's a sign that there's no relationship between you and the shepherd. And so when we talk about this cast out, David was saying, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? How many of you are having a thirst for God today? You've got a thirst for something. And sometimes people don't even know what they're thirsting for. But I'll tell you what, God knows. God knows what you're thirsting for. Now listen, while you're thirsty for some truth or for some satisfaction in life, the devil will be right there to say, here, take a drink of this. Or take a taste of this. Look at how it looks on the outside. Here, take the fruit. The fruit looks so good. Eve, you know, if you just take this fruit, good things will happen to you. You'll be as gods. You'll know good from evil. Everything will work out great for you in your life if you just do what God said. Don't do. And then when you do it, you recognize that down the road, one of your kids murdered the other child. You recognize that you're aging. You recognize that there's pain now in childbirth. You know, you recognize that, you know what? The devil said something and he sold you a bill of goods. And all I can tell you is, listen, if you try that dirty well from the devil, you're going to feel unfulfilled when everything's over with. But when you go to the Lord and you take a drink of the Lord, I want to tell you something. As one of the Lord's sheep who've been some places with the Lord... I want to say this, that God is good. And even during those times of our lives when it feels like this old world has taken a bite here and a bite there, taken a a little nibble here and a nibble there off of our soul, that we have a God who restores our soul. As a matter of fact, when I was reading this story about how this man would pick up that lamb that had fallen so many times, he said the first thing he had to do when he saw a lamb that had its legs up in the air like that, he'd roll her over on, its, on her side because it was a process. All of her, uh, all the things in her body were all out of, uh, out of whack because she was laying on her back for so long. So he'd gently take her, put her over on her side, and wait a few moments 
And then he said that he would straddle the lamb and he would pick her up. And even after he picked her up, her equilibrium would be off. So if he wasn't straddling her to hold her up in place, she'd fall right back over and possibly do more damage to her. And so he would hold her up and then he said he'd start rubbing her legs from the sides. And he'd be talking to her saying, how many times am I going to have to pick you up? You scoundrel. No, no. How many times am I going to have to teach you that you shouldn't go this way? And, and finally he'd get to a place where he was comfortable that the lamb had her gate back about her. Isn't that the way that Jesus has dealt with us? He's so patient. He's so long-suffering. Jesus doesn't love us because we're so lovable. Some of us have been on flat on our back sometimes spiritually, and our legs have been up in the air like that, and we've been cast out just like David. But I'm here to remind you that if we turn back to God and we say, stop thinking like this, let's stop this, let's hope in God, and God's going to yet help me, God can help you where you are at too today. Now I want to say these things, and I'm telling you the truth in closing. It's 12.02 and the preacher is closing. If you say amen, I'll close quicker. That's not enough amens. I'm sorry. Some of you cannot say today that the Lord is your shepherd. I want to tell you something from my heart to yours. You are missing out. You're missing out on the greatest relationship that's ever been. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you're neglecting your relationship with the King of Kings so that you can pal around with people in this world who have no ability to satisfy your thirsty soul. Jesus can give you really good water. He could give you drink. He can satisfy you. Some of you young people have been accosted by the things of this world at your school and by people who who are doing things. They just get to do everything they want, don't they? I want to tell you something. All their little sinful behavior is going to catch up to them. It's not going to work out. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. They're mocking God. They, they criticize you from going to church. That's a badge I would wear with honor. Sunday's the Lord's day. Jesus wouldn't have said he loved his assembly if it wasn't important to come. Well, I don't have to go to church. I'll just go out into the woods. Jesus didn't say go out into the woods. Jesus said, you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Jesus encouraged people to come to the Lord's house. Listen, you need the church more now than you've ever needed. Say, but why? There's sinners down at the church. You are absolutely right. There's people who are sinners at the church. But God can help you greatly with your problems. You can't be the husband that you need to be without being a good part of the Lord's church. You can't be the wife that God's called you to be, the the Christian that God wants you to be. If you're not saved today, I want to hear to tell you, if Jesus is knocking on your heart's door and he's saying, come unto me, won't you have the courage to come? I remember the thoughts that I think came straight from the devil. What will people think about you if you walk the aisle? You've gone forward before. You've been baptized before. They may think, here we go again. You know what? I don't know where those thoughts came from, but all of them were Satan's lie to tell me, put it off another day. Put it off another day. Don't put it off another day. You don't know what a day may bring forth. You're not, you're, you don't know what tomorrow brings. If God's working in your heart for salvation, young and old, you could be in your 60s or 70s here today. And God's working in your life. He's telling you to follow him. Follow the Lord. It'll be good for you. If you're a young person here today and you're thirsty, maybe it's time for you to come down to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? I've tried things my own way. I'm, I'm seeking for satisfaction, not from you, and it's not working out. Maybe it's time for you to bow the knee and say, Lord, I'm following you. It's time for you to say, it's time for me to come home. 
You've wandered far away from God. But now I'm coming home. And maybe you're a Christian here today. And you find that you're serving God. And your soul is famished. And your soul is yet thirsty. And you feel like there are pieces that are missing from your soul. I'm here to tell you that the good shepherd is one that can restore your soul. And you know what? He can restore your soul before he answers the prayers that you've given to somebody else too. You may be praying for a wayward child and you're thinking God can restore my soul when my kid gets right with God. No, he can restore your soul right now. He wants to have a relationship with you now. Not on your conditions. Only if everything in my life is going well will I allow the Lord to restore my soul. That's not the way it works in this life. It's never been. David's life was full of challenges and full of struggles, full of difficulties, some of his own making and some from other people. Know this. The absence of problems will never be something that is in your life. And God doesn't want to just restore your soul when your life is absent from problems. There's some women here today, and you're praying, not just for your children, you're praying for your husband. I'm here to tell you that there's a God in heaven who can answer that prayer about your husband, but he can restore your soul regardless of whether or not your husband gets right with God or not. Why don't you let God comfort your heart? There's somebody here today with some kind of heartbreak, heartache, and I don't know about it, and I may not mention it, but you felt it, you're sensing it, God's speaking to your heart. If God's working in your heart, as we stand together here today, won't you respond during this invitation? We're going to sing in just a moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and nobody looking around. And I mean that. So if I see your eyes, I'm seeing something I shouldn't. You should respect people that are next to you in church. Just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. Maybe God's working in your life today. He's calling you to get saved. You say, Pastor, when you were talking about somebody who's never been born again, that's me. Just step out, won't you? Come on down, let's get saved. Won't you get this thing squared away with the Lord? You say, I'm older, I'm a member of the church. What will people think of me? You, you cast out these thoughts of doubt and let God have his way in your life. Somebody here today and God's working in your life about relationship or just getting right with God. I want to call unto you today. Don't let anything hold you back from doing what God's called you to do. He's got good plans on the other side of this, friend. Let God have his way. As Brother John sings, Jesus paid it all. Won't you come? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed small. Child of weakness, watch and pray.
God has a satisfied customer, and I'm thankful for the shepherd's leading in my life. I know that he's so good. He'll help you no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done. The Lord can give grace. Now, some may be far from God. Your very first step back to God, you're in the perfect will of God. He's not making you come all the way back. You just need to take that first step. That first step is what God's looking for. Some need to take that first step. I don't know what that is for you, but you need to take that step if God is working in your life. Maybe it's getting saved. Maybe it's getting right with God. Maybe it's joining the church or getting baptized. Maybe you've been saved, but you've been away from God for some time, and maybe you've been bitter at somebody else and angry. Maybe you need to let that go and let God have his way in your heart and life. Don't let that grab you. Maybe somebody at the church hurt you. The devil loves to use that to keep people away from the church. Somebody hurt me here. There's always going to be somebody that hurts you around the church. I want to tell you something. The shepherd won't hurt you. The shepherd will help you. He may lead you into difficult places, but he'll help you. He's helping you in the midst of that. Let's sing first verse again. And if nobody else comes, we're going to close.
this is March. We've had people join every month this year. Now, Brother Earl, uh, Brother Earl teaches our young adult Sunday school class in the upstairs in the morning, and uh, I'm thankful for him. You might have noticed a few weeks ago he had to put some cream on his face, and it looked like he'd been burned out in the sun. And uh, he's got a surgery coming up to remove some skin cancer. But I'll say this. I love to see people remaining faithful to the Lord through their health problems. This is another way that God can restore your soul, even in the midst of health problems. We have a God that can restore your soul. I'm going to ask Brother Earl to word the dismissal prayer for us today. Amen. God is good in the good times. God's good in when the times aren't so good. Amen. I'm thankful for him today. Glad he saved my soul as a young fella. It's 10 years old. And uh, I'm thankful for what God's done in my life. Glad, glad to call each other your family and friends. Let's pray as we're dismissed. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day. Dear Lord, we thank you for your many blessings, your love, and your mercy. God, we thank you for Lexi coming today. Lord, pray that you might watch over her, guide her life. Lord, watch over all of our young people. Lord, we know the devil is just, uh, he walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I pray that we'd be an umbrella over our young people, Lord. Let's build a hedge about them, uh, God, to keep the devil away. Lord, I'm thankful for this church and for all it means. We thank you for the pastor. Thank you for the message today. God, thank you for the restoration of our souls. Lord, we pray that you'd watch over each and every one that's come today. Give them a special blessing uh, for being here and give us uh, traveling mercies as we return home and bring us back at the next appointed time. Lord, help those that are grieving, those that are sick today, Father. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.